as we look to our sermon, Galatians 4, 12 through 20. Galatians 4, 12 through 20, as we continue our sermon series called The Freedom of Grace. This is Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a body ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. The word of the Lord. Well, I don't know as, uh, if you've been following the news, but uh, as we get closer and closer to political elections, it seems that the uh, phenomenon known as fake news continues to ramp up. I'm not sure that was in our lexicon of English uh, until maybe three or four years ago, but fake news is the phenomenon where an organization puts out uh, a fraudulent story that catches wildfire and goes out and, and shifts public opinion. Uh, there have been a lot of fake news stories out there. I can pick any number of them, but just as example, I don't know if you remember uh, when uh, President Trump came into office and somebody floated the, uh, the news that uh, the statue of Martin Luther King had been removed from the White House and that caught like wildfire. You still maybe are wondering, is that true or not? Well, how did that get started? Well, it got started because a journalist was walking to the White House and the place where normally uh, the bust of Martin Luther King was, was not there. Uh, but rather than inquiring as to the location of the bust, he assumed, of course, that uh, President Trump did not like Martin Luther King. Uh, the answer of, uh, was that uh, the bust was being cleaned. But nonetheless, that really didn't matter. Uh, the fake news spread like wildfire. I have thought to myself, if I was a journalist, I would like the opportunity to spread some fake news myself. These are a couple of titles, for instance, that I think would go very well. Uh, they would be mostly in the sports page, but in varieties. For instance, Pastor Wins Wimbledon. Again. I think that would be great fake news, right? You know, I mean, it could happen. If it's in the news, it must be true. How about this? Rodriguez gifted Caribbean Island in gratitude by the United Nations. Oh, that that would take off and spread like wildfire to the point that maybe, just maybe, uh, what is fiction would become fact. How about this final one? Rodriguez wins Nobel Prizes, gives to little children. It's warm, it's endearing, it's happy. I think these things would really take off. Now, of course, we have to ask the question, what are the reasons behind fake news? There are really only two reasons that I can think of. The first is the motivation to either look better or to make someone look worse. In other words, it's not a simple mistake. It's a calculated move to influence public opinion through media. 
And the other, of course, is to make money. Most of the websites we go to are free, but they're not doing this out of the kindness of their heart. They have to generate clicks in order to make money. Otherwise, they go out of business. And we all know that if it bleeds, it reads. And so those are the motivations that are behind fake news. Now, why am I talking about fake news? I think there are some applications to this particular scripture, to this particular issue, because you have a group of people that have infiltrated the church at Galatia, and they're serving up fake news. If you'll remember, the gospel means good news, does it not? They're serving up a fake gospel. Paul has preached the true gospel, and the Galatians have received it. But these folks who we call the Judaizers are coming in and they're preaching a fake gospel, a gospel that's a combination of Christ's work on the cross as well as their own efforts. The necessity of also following the Mosaic law. In other words, it's Jesus plus following the law and you're going to be fine. But any gospel that is not the true gospel is a fake gospel. As we've seen, information and believing information has consequences. And so Paul is speaking to the church and I am speaking to you because I think that in the same way that the Galatians are experiencing this in their church, we experience this in our church as well. We live in a world that preaches a fake gospel. Good news that isn't good news at all. How will we be able to spot that which is true and that which is false. That's what we're going to examine. Because when you follow the true gospel, the result is love, joy, and freedom. But when you follow a fake gospel, the result is always slavery. Always slavery. So let me unpack that statement as we look at three particular truths. Number one, we must receive the true gospel. We have to receive it. What does receiving it mean? We have to receive the true gospel. Number two, we have to reject the fake gospel. We're not simply bystanders in this process. We have a role to play. And finally, number three, we must guard the gospel that we have received. To receive the true gospel, to reject the fake gospel, and to guard the gospel we have received. Because when you follow the true gospel, the result is always love, freedom, and joy. And when you follow a fake gospel, the result is always slavery. Well, let's begin with point number one. We must receive the true gospel. Paul is speaking to the church in verse 12 and says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. In fact, though we are in chapter 4, and Galatians only has six chapters, this is actually the first command in the entire book. I've been preaching on this book for several months, and this is the first command that Paul actually gives to the church. Become as I am, for I have also become as you are. What does it mean to become as I am? Paul is saying that even though I am a Jew, I am free from the Mosaic law. I am free from having to follow the Mosaic law in order to be justified uh, by God. That's what he means when he says, for I have also become as you are. In the sense of, I no longer am under the law as justifying my life. I'm no longer enslaved to the law. He's saying, you have to be like that. Remember? And this is where he goes into, remember when I came to you. 
verse 13, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. The reason Paul showed up in Galatia in the first place was because he was sick. We don't exactly know what the sickness was. Some people believe it was malaria. From his, his journey in Acts when he was in Pamphylia, that's kind of a swampy territory, that he may have contracted malaria. And so he sort of went to the highlands to go ahead and heal himself. Galatians is, is considered in the highlands. But it's affected his body. It appears also to have affected his eyes, that they were inflamed or he couldn't see. or We, we don't exactly know. But we do know that most likely this condition was so bad that in some way or shape or form it stuck with him for the rest of his life. And so he goes to Galatia to recover. And as he speaks to the Galatians and preaches the gospel in the midst of his sickness, they receive it. Verse 14, And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. The actual Greek translation of you did not scorn me or despise me is this. And you did not despise your temptation in my flesh. What does that mean? Galatians, you did not despise your temptation in my flesh. In other words, when you looked at me, I was not very impressive. I did not come in slickness and in power and pomp and circumstance. I, I came as a bodily wreck. Yet in the midst of my sickness as I preached the gospel, even though you might have been tempted to disregard me because I didn't have a retinue and I didn't have, all I had was the gospel. You heard it and you saw through my condition and you received the gospel as it was. You received me as an angel of God. The word angel in Hebrew, malach, literally means messenger. Angels are messengers. You received my gospel. You received me coming to you as though God had sent a messenger. And you listened to the message. Indeed, you even received me as Christ Jesus himself. See, they heard the gospel and they knew what it was. Because the gospel in the scriptures is Christ preaching to us. And what was the message that they heard through Paul? The message of Jesus crucified. Remember in another book in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The message of the gospel is Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. In other words, the message is not that you can obey the law and ever attain a right standing before God. That there is a curse on your head but Jesus Christ has redeemed you from that curse, from that curse of death, by getting up on a cross and dying in your place. In Galatians, I'm going to actually take you through some of the things he's already said. In Galatians 2.16, he told them that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, freedom comes through faith. So that in Christ Jesus, verse 3, 14, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing promised to the human race might come to the Gentiles, namely to you, Galatians. So, ver, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then an heir through God. 
God has placed the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, and through Him we cry out, Abba, Father. They heard the message. They received it as from Jesus Christ Himself, and they rejoiced. Look at verse 15. They were so um, filled with joy and love. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and then given them to me. What would cause a person to do something like that for someone else? Their hearts were so full of the joy of knowing that they're set free from having to live under the slavery of the law. The slavery of never being enough, never doing enough. That their joy was so great. And their love for Paul because that he had brought them the message that they would do anything. They were so grateful. See, they equated Paul with the gospel. Paul had brought to them the gospel. They saw through Paul's condition and they saw the gospel. And of course we know that Paul mirrors Jesus, does he not? How did Christ triumph? Was it through pomp and circumstance? Or was it through being naked, whipped, beaten, and succumbing to death on the cross? A Jewish carpenter in the middle of nowhere with no education and training. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, Paul's message and the message of the gospel is focused on Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one who can obey the law of God. There's only one who can make the cut with God. The gospel message is a man. And he is enough. You know, as I think of my life, my life before Christ, I met the Lord at age 18. And even much of the temptation of my life, the temptation that comes at me from around the world, the temptation that comes at me from within myself is that you're not enough. No matter what you do, it'll never be enough. It's a quiet voice that whispers in my ear. After every triumph, it says, but what about this? After every trial, it's, you see, I told you. I knew the gospel. I know the gospel, and so did the Galatians. But that voice speaks in my ear and wants to make me fix my eyes on myself. But the gospel, in the end, is not about me at all, is it? It's about him. The reality is I'm not enough. That's very true. But he is. The reality is I'll never fulfill the law. But Jesus did. The reality is I will never merit the love and favor and blessing of God. But Jesus did and he's in me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on all who believe. And so the message of the gospel is to take my eyes off of myself for it is him who frees me. You see, my brothers and sisters, love and joy are the responses of a heart that has been set free. How do you know that you have the true gospel? Is there joy and love? Can you remember a time when you heard the gospel and believed? 
Do you have joy and love in your heart? Have you ever? See, when you substitute anything other than Jesus, it wears out. Only Christ can continue to put the love of God in our hearts. Only He can give us the joy that comes from knowing that we are enough in Him, that the work is finished. The Galatians recognized the message and they responded. Have you? This brings me to my second point. The trip that, that happened to these folks. The need to reject this fake gospel. Paul continues in verse 15. What then has become of your blessedness? In other words, you saw me, you received me as an angel. What happened? What then has become of your blessedness? When he's talking about blessedness, he's talking about God's redemptive work in their lives. In other words, God has started a work in their lives. They would have gouged out their eyes for Paul. And yet the love for Paul seems to have gone. The joy that they had in their life seems to have faded because they're even entertaining this falsehood. You know, if you're satisfied, you don't need to go looking for anything else, right? But they're looking. They were vulnerable because they've come off the gospel and become vulnerable. Paul says, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I gone from being an angel, a messenger to God, to an enemy? Has I continued to share the gospel? Paul moves into the real problem in verse 17. They, the Judaizers, make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Notice that. They make much of you. In other words, Paul came and he made much of who? Not the Galatians. He made much of Jesus, right? But the fake teachers, they're making much of you. They're elevating man. And these two work this way. Whenever you elevate man, you de-elevate God. De-elevate, is that even a word? And vice versa. It'll do. That'll play. They make much of you. They're coming in with a sly tongue. They're building you up and lifting you up. They're strengthening your self-esteem and your religious abilities. But for no good purpose. No. They want to shut you out. They want to take away your freedom that you have. The freedom that you have in Christ. That you are enough in Him. That the law has been paid for and followed in Christ. And why do they want to shut you out? Why do they want to take away your freedom? That you may make much of them. See, what they're doing, ultimately, is they are replacing Jesus with themselves. Because if we rely on Christ for our salvation and our standing with God, and these teachers come in and instead say, no, you have to do this, this, and this, all of a sudden they become the umpires. They become the arbiters of our salvation. We are beholden to them to tell us what is right and what is wrong, whether we make the cut or we don't. Wasn't that what the Jewish leaders were doing with the entire nation of Israel? They want to do this so that you may make much of them. See, for the Apostle Paul, it was all about Christ. But for these guys, it's all about them. It's one of the ways, by the way, that you can tell 
whether the true gospel is being preached or not. Is it all about him? Or is it all about the one really giving the message? Is it all about him? Or is it all about you? If you go to a lot of churches, right now the message is all about you. How you can do this. How you can do that. How you can be that. Without Christ, it's pointless. They don't care about you in the end. Paul was willing to do whatever it took for them, and so was Christ. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. In other words, it's good to be made much of for the right reason. Your love and labor in Jesus Christ. But not just you. Not flattery and appealing. I mean, wasn't that like Satan? How he tricked the original man and woman, right? You can be like God, knowing good and evil. You don't need him. You have the power within your hand to take your destiny into your own hands. And it appears to have worked with the Galatians because they are veering off of the path of the gospel into slavery to these people. One of the movies that I uh, loved watching was The Greatest Showman. Wasn't that a great movie? I mean, the music was great, and the story is you have this poor kid who has dreams and a vision of, of uh, marrying his girl and doing something great. And he continues to be pushed down by the ruling class, if you will, in the striated society of Britain. Well, he finally sort of pulls himself up by his bootstraps. He starts, you know, the circus, uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. And uh, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And... Uh, he finally uh, uh, gets an opera singer and does something sort of on the main stage and all of a sudden he starts to get the press and the eyes from the ruling class. An opportunity to become like one of them, so to speak. But the reality is they don't care about him at all. Who are the only ones in the movie that care about him? And the people that he first believed in, right? Right? So the movie is about him falling for the glitter and the richness and the slickness and ultimately coming back to himself and realizing that it's the ones that care about me for who I am that really matter. The ones that I overlooked because they were not beautiful and they were not rich and they didn't butter me up. It's an imperfect analogy. But I think what Paul is communicating is that I brought the message of Christ to you and I brought the love of Christ to you. I sacrificed myself for you, not so that I would be made much of, but that Christ would be and you would be in him. And you're falling for this. Our world preaches a gospel, doesn't it? It's constantly putting out its own gospel, its own fake news. All you need is this product and you will be great. All you need is to look like this. All you need is to date this person. All you need is to go ahead and have these clothes and so on and so on and so on. They want to set the bar into what is enough. But when you follow a fake gospel, the result is always slavery. It's never enough, is it? You'll never own enough. You'll never be contented. You'll never be satisfied. 
Because in the end, there's only one judge that matters. It's the one who made you. And he has brought us a solution in the person of Jesus Christ. See, we have to make a decision, much like the greatest showman. He had to get to the end of himself, but in the end, God has blessed us with the ability to choose what we want. The true gospel or the fake gospel. Because when you follow the true gospel, the result is always love, joy, and freedom. And when you follow a fake gospel, the result is always slavery. So what are we to do? We have to guard the gospel. That's my third point. Paul says, My little children, at the end, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What does that exactly mean anyways? Do they have only a little bit of Christ? They don't have all of Jesus? They don't have all of salvation? The word actually in Greek would refer to an embryo. That they have Christ in embryonic form. Now if you know anything about an embryo, when an embryo is created, it has every single piece of DNA and information it needs to be created into that person. It's just a question of time and nurture, isn't it? It's all in there. That person is alive in there. I find it so interesting when people say, that's not a person, that's a fetus. The word fetus means little person. Because in embryonic form, there you are. What, the, what Paul is saying to them is you have Christ. But he has to grow up in you. You have to tend to him. You have to nurture your faith by feeding upon the true gospel and rejecting the fake gospel until you grow up and you mature to the point that you're not tossed back and forth by every cunning teaching uh, as, and deceitful teaching as it was shared in our praying the scripture. We have to guard the gospel. We have a role to play. I guess the point I'm trying to make is it could become very easy to come here Sunday after Sunday, hear the message, put it away in an envelope somewhere, dust off your hands and go on with your life. But that's exactly what the Galatians did, right? The price of freedom is vigilance. Who are you listening to during the week? What teachers have your particular ear? Paul brought the gospel. Are we reading the gospel? Are we meditating and thinking on the word? Are we building relationships with people who are encouraging us in the faith? Are we taking advantage of the opportunities in this church to continue to grow? What I've discovered in my life of faith over the last 30 years that I've been a believer is I'm either moving forward or I'm moving backward. I'm either growing or I'm shrinking. We must continue to press on in Jesus Christ. And so I want to challenge you to be ambitious.
for the gospel? What's got to go? Which teachers have to leave? I think the saddest thing in the world would to be free and to instead choose to live in slavery. I finish with the scripture. It is for freedom, Paul says, that Christ has set us free. Let us stand firm and not be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Examine your life. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there freedom? We have ups and downs in life. We're human. We get sick. We're at, I'm not talking about rah, rah, life is all great. But there's a peace in my heart that comes from standing on Jesus Christ and knowing that I am enough in Him. I don't have to prove anything to anyone because I am God's Son through Jesus Christ and fixing my eyes on Him and letting everything else fall away. Because when you follow the true gospel, the result is love, joy, and freedom. And when you follow a fake gospel, the result is always slavery. Let us live in the freedom that God has given us in Christ. Let's pray. Father, it is so easy for us to be taken in by the spiritual hucksters of this world which are ultimately Satan, the evil one, trying to trick us trying to enslave us to follow things that do not give life Jesus you are enough you obeyed the law and you made us enough in you let us fix our eyes on you let us guard the gospel until you have fully grown up in us we pray all of this in Christ's name Amen